Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Hello, everyone, and blessings to everyone in the name of Yeshua, and I greet you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Today, we're going to continue in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21 all the way through verse 31. And this chapter, we have split up into two podcasts, and we're going to continue with the same flow of thought that Paul, writing to the Gentile believers in the region of southern Galatia, the same flow of thought that he is building upon, precept upon precept, to bring forth the true gospel. Remember, in this context, there's a battle between a different gospel and the true gospel. He reminds them in chapter 3, or he says to them, brings forth the question, did you receive the Spirit of God through the works of the law or by hearing with faith. Now, some people try to look back on this whole dialogue about the rabbinical law versus the Mosaic law. That is not important to what is going on here. If we receive the Spirit of God with inside of us and change from the inside out, then we belong to God. When they had faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, the fulfillment of the law, the forgiveness of sins, when they believed in Him, by God's grace, through faith, they received the Spirit of God. And that's how they had come into the kingdom. That's how they belonged to God, not by the works of the law, but by the hearing by faith. Just a, another reminder that I have said almost in every podcast, this letter that is written by Paul precedes Romans by about nine years. Most people read Romans, Galatians, but I instruct people, you need to read Galatians, then Romans, because every principle that you see here in Galatians, you will find in the letter that Paul writes to the Romans. So we're going to continue today, and by God's grace, we're going to bring truth today, and we're going to read verses 21 through 31, and praise God, Yoni is in the studio again with me today, and Yoni, can you read these verses? Tell me. You who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. 
Heavenly Father, help us today to bring forth your word and let us represent you and not our own thoughts, but let us represent what you were saying to Paul to these precious Gentile believers in Galatia. And let your word come forth and your word never returns void. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at verse 21, it sets the immediate context because he says, Tell me, you who want to be under law. Now remember, this is the whole issue throughout the whole letter, that some have come from Jacob, James, and we don't know if they officially represent him, but they're coming from the believers in Jerusalem and seeing what Paul and Barnabas and their preaching and their ministry and they're scouting out what has happened among the Gentile believers, and they saw that they did not circumcise them of the flesh. And in Acts 15, we understand that these individuals were actually saying that you're not saved unless you're circumcised of the flesh. It's not completed. And then they began to teach them the law with an understanding that in order to be holy or complete or the work of Christ completed, you have to keep the law. And what they are saying, what Paul and Barnabas is saying, is that is a different gospel. So if you're wanting to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? And he's going to start sharing an allegory. Now, this is one of the only times that Paul goes into allegorically speaking. And what he is doing is using an allegory to present spiritual truth. It's not meant to go back and look at these stories as a way of original intent, but he's taking truth that is in the Hebrew Scriptures, truth that is within the Word of God, and through an allegorical story, he's presenting that truth. Let's look at this. Verse 22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman or the bondwoman, who is Hagar, and one by the free woman, which is Sarah. So you're looking at two women, and you look that he's going to use this as an allegory as a difference between the law and the promise. Again, look at Romans 9, 10, and 11 this week and really study those chapters because he's going to expand upon these truths in those chapters. Verse 23, But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Think about that. When Hagar was taken as a concubine, as a slave woman, and Sarah, who lacked faith, said to Abraham, take Hagar and through Hagar have a son. She was lacking faith because God had already promised Sarah, had already given her a promise that through your seed, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed through this seed. This is reconfirmed later on. But Sarah was promised a son, and she laughed, saying, I'm in a, a, a woman of advanced age, and I cannot have a son. But God promised her a son. And this is something that Paul brings forth so clearly in the Gospels, or let me say in his writings. It's always about a promise. It's not according to the flesh. So in this allegory, Hagar represents the flesh, and Sarah represents the promise. Let me finish this verse. And the son by the free woman through the promise. So there's a difference between the bondwoman and the free woman. The bondwoman is going to have a son according to the flesh. 
that comes out of a lack of faith in the promise of God. And Sarah is going to have a son, which a covenant is going to be established by faith. And this is based upon a promise. Continue in verse 24. And you only jump in any time of any questions, comments. This is allegorically speaking. For these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai bearing children. Now here he's going to make a connection between Hagar and the Sinai covenant, which is going to come through Moses bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now to clarify, when you say the Sinai covenant through Moses, are you referring to the law in the first book, books of the Bible? Is that what you're saying? Yes. What I believe he is doing is making a connection to what's going to happen through Hagar to the law that is given at Sinai. And the law, if you look at previous chapters, was not an end to itself, but it actually held them under guardianship, under a strict way of living for God, could not produce eternal salvation by itself, but it's going to be a tutor, a teacher that leads us to the Messiah. And, and if I remember correctly, it, on Sinai, I, I guess you could extrapolate all of Deuteronomy, but you know, very specifically, the Ten Commandments were given. So I guess from that, it sounds like this is even applying to e- even the most fundamental understanding of what we call the law. Yes, this could apply to the moral law, the judicial law, the sundry laws, the Mm. kosher laws, Mm. the sacrificial laws. Every aspect of the law, it is the law. Mm. And some may argue, well, Paul's talking about the Pharisaic law, the oral law here. No, he's going back to Mount Sinai. This is the, the context here. Now, the rabbis today have taught that God gave two laws at Mount Sinai, the written law, that came out of what God instructed Moses and the oral law, the interpretation of it. And of course, they are the possessors of the oral law. They are the voice of God on earth. And only they can explain how the written law can be observed mm. correctly. According to their, <laughs> yes. their thoughts. Which yeah. begins in about the second century B.C. Mm. Because if you look through all the Hebrew scriptures, there's not one mention of the oral law or... The oral law being an interpretation of the written law that if you have a set of individuals that know the oral law interpreting the written law, that it is binding upon the Jewish people by consensus. Mm -hmm. In fact, you see just the opposite. Mm -hmm. Think about in the prophets, Jeremiah. The whole nation was against him. Every aspect of the religious structure was against Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. But God was with Jeremiah not with the false prophets and the false priests that were Mm -hmm. saying, this is what we should do. God always backs up truth of his word. Mm -hmm. So the whole system does not exist within the old covenant, the Hebrew scriptures. Mm -hmm. So this is from Mount Sinai. The law was given, and he is making a comparison of what happened to the Sinai covenant versus Hagar, Mm -hmm. and that they are placed upon a law that is holding them in bondage, and it cannot bring about the promise. The promise is only going to come through the free woman, Mm -hmm. through the seed of Abraham, through the Messiah. Mm -hmm. 
So it's an allegory. It's not meant to go back and see it from an original intent, but it's bringing spiritual truths through this allegorical story. So let me read this again. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. So now he is making a connection between Hagar, Mount Sinai, and present-day Jerusalem. This is written around 48, 49 A.D. that is still trying to see their identity through the law and not through the fulfillment of the law that comes through the Messiah. Again, allegorically speaking, Hagar was not according to the promise. She was according to the flesh. The law was given to the people of promise to bring them under bondage, under slavery, under a guardianship until the time it releases them to the Messiah. The Jews in Jerusalem are still that have rejected the Messiah and now have kicked out a lot of the Jewish believers in the Messiah are still trying to see their identity through the oral law, the written law, and they're still in that bondage. They have not been released to the promise. Hmm. See, that's the whole context here. Sarah was given a promise. The Jewish people were given a promise. They rejected the promise, many of them, but there was a remnant of them that took the promise and they began to share the gospel to other Jews and now to the Gentiles, but the majority of them are kept in slavery back in Jerusalem. Hmm. I think it's such a cool picture, as you've illustrated like that, because Hagar was Sarah and Abraham's attempt to obtain the promise through their own means, which I think is such an interesting... It seems to match so perfectly to what the law ends up being, and especially in this context, this, this idea of... I want to now be perfected. I want to now be more like God wants me to be through my own means and through my own abilities, as opposed to this very opposite picture of Sarah, who had no means of of obtaining the promise, had no means of having children, and all she could do was trust in God. Yes, and and I'm glad you brought that point up because the whole issue is Jesus the Messiah, because in rabbinical Judaism today, which is different from the Judaism of that time is multifaceted, but the Pharisees through the house of Hillel was the surviving shepherd over the Jewish people. But in this context at that time and even today, they teach once the Messiah comes, it counsels out the law. Huh? We don't teach that because that's not scriptural. It's not a counseling out of the law. In fact, many of them say when the Messiah comes, we'll be able to eat pork and we'll be able to do all of these things. People don't realize that is actual teaching within the rabbinical system from the majority of the different synagogues and places that teach when the Messiah comes, it will be his rule and his reign, and it counsels out the law. The Messiah does not counsel out the law. It fulfills the law. He is the promised one to them. And so here in Jerusalem, present-day Jerusalem of this time, they're still in bondage because they failed to recognize Yeshua, the Messiah, the fulfillment of the law. He has come, and now righteousness everlasting is through him. 
The law was never an end to itself. In fact, the terminology here, it kept them in slavery. It kept them in bondage. It was a tutor that one day would lead us to the Messiah, the promised one, and through him, everlasting salvation would be fulfilled. So this is the picture that he's bringing, spiritual truth through this analogy. Now look at verse 26. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, just like Sarah is our mother. Abraham is our father through faith. Sarah is our mother through a promise that was given that also includes not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles. Mm. He's going to quote from Isaiah 54, which is so incredible here to me because when you look at the four servant songs of Isaiah, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50, and Isaiah 52 and 53, It's about the servant that would bring salvation to Israel to die for their sins, but also the sins of the world. Because if you look at that last servant song, the the suffering servant Hebrew song of Isaiah, in chapter 52, the last two verses, it's about how the Gentiles Hmm. will understand what they did not understand before. They will see what they had never seen before. And it's going to come through this Lamb of God that would die for the sins of Israel, but kings will shut their mouths on account of him. And he asked the question in chapter 53, verse 1, who will believe this message? Who will have faith to understand what God is going to do through the servant that is going to die for the sins of of Israel. And we know that salvation comes from the Jewish people to the world. So right after that last song, he starts in quoting Isaiah 54. And again, he says these words, verse 27, for it is written, rejoice barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. There's going to be a rejoicing that takes place for those who are desolate after this last song, after Isaiah 53, and rejoicing from those who are barren because of what God has done through the suffering servant. This is the response of what Isaiah is saying through Isaiah 53. I'm looking at this, and at first glance, it seems kind of confusing because it's saying, "Blessed is are the children of the desolate than the one who had a husband." I guess it it doesn't. It seems to apply more to the quote unquote Gentiles than it does Sarah, because Sarah had a husband. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think in chapters 52 and 53, we see the salvation of Israel through the suffering servant. We see that the Gentiles will understand. This as well, kings will shut their mouths on account of him, talking about the nations. And what I see is just a rejoicing that is coming out from those that were in ignorance, those that were barren, those that were desolate, whether it was the sinners among Mm. the Jewish people that had been kicked out of the synagogues, Mm. or it's the Gentiles that had never been in a covenant relationship with God, there is going to be rejoicing from those who are barren Mm. to now 
coming into the promise. Mm. This is the imagery that I believe Paul is bringing to these Gentile believers in Galatia, that after the suffering servant of Isaiah, rejoice for those who are barren. Mm. And so this is the imagery that I am seeing. It's both Gentiles and Jewish people, those that were desolate, those that had been kicked out of the synagogues, those that had been classified as sinners, outcasts, and Gentiles that were unclean, that did not have any future. Now through the Messiah of Israel, those that were desolate, now they can have the things of God in their lives. Hmm. Hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) And look at verse 28. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. So the Gentile believers are just like Isaac, a promised one. They're not like Ishmael, who was coming out of a lack of faith. They are coming to God through faith, receiving the Spirit of God. And the promises of God are being fulfilled just like it was through Isaac. That the Gentiles would know the God of Israel. The Gentiles would be grafted in. The Gentiles would come and pray and know the God of Israel and get rid of their idol worship and their pagan ways and come to God through the forgiveness of sins, receive the Spirit of God, and they can cry out, Abba, Father. The promise for them has always been the plan of God. Think about it. The promise to Abraham that through your seed, All the families of the earth will be blessed, Abraham, because you believe my voice. Mm. You were a man of faith, and you acted upon that faith, and you took Isaac to be sacrificed, and you walked by faith. This is what is happening, and because of his faithfulness, remember that's the story of Jacob looking from the backside, his faith being demonstrated through his actions. But because he was a man of faith, now the gospel is coming to the Gentiles. They're receiving it by faith through a promise to them. That's always been there from the beginning. Now let's look at verse 29. But as at that time... He who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. Looking back at Ishmael, looking back at Esau, who were according to the flesh, always went against the person that was the promise. Esau persecuted Jacob. Ishmael persecuted the descendants of Isaac. Here we see the people of Jerusalem now coming against the people of the promise. The ones that are trying to have their identity through the law still in bondage are now persecuting those who have come according to the promise. I think there's something beautiful here, too, because you can kind of see this, this idea of we are the ones that were born into the promises of God. We are the ones who were the, of the flesh of Abraham and trying to draw in these new Gentile believers and say, now you must be like us. But it seems like from here, Paul is looking back and saying, at the very foundations of what we call the Abrahamic faith, it was always from that promise, not from the birthright, not from who was born first. And so it kind of, it, it feels like it's a very applicable message right into the core of saying, you want to make these new believers like you, but it was at the very beginning of, of our own faith that it was always by the promise. Yes, and you hit it so right on the point because it's never been about the flesh. Mm. 
If it was about the flesh, it would be about Ishmael. Mm-hmm. If it was about the flesh, it would be about Esau. Mm-hmm. And his descendants are the Edomites. It's never been about the flesh. It's always been about the promise. And the Gentiles that are coming to faith are coming to faith because of a promise. I would also like to say this, and this is getting ahead, but there's a promise according to the Israel according to the flesh that they will be grafted back into their own tree, Mm. that they will be brought back into the land, and God's going to redeem them from the inside out. This is a promise that God has made according to the Israel, according to the flesh. And when God makes a promise, it is done. And just like God made a promise to the Gentiles that they would come to know him through the Messiah, well, this is being fulfilled through the Messiah, not through the law or the oral law. There is a promise for the Israel according to the flesh. He's going to redeem them from the inside out. And in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, if there's any Jewish people out there that we love so much, there is a promise that you will look upon him, the one in whom you have pierced, and you will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. That is a promise that is coming to the Israel according to the flesh. And this is going to happen after God pours out a spirit of grace and a spirit of supplication upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of David. God has a promise for you, and it's so beautiful. And we love you, and we thank you for bringing us the Word of God, bringing us the promises, bringing us the covenants. Most importantly, thank you for bringing us the Messiah, the salvation, the Savior of the world. Now let's continue here. Verse 29, I think I just read that, but let's read it again. But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? And he's going to read from Genesis 21, or quote, Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. Just like with Sarah and Hagar, because it came out of a lack of faith, Hagar was cast out. Ishmael was cast out. Now, there was a promise that came to them that they would be a great nation. But the descendants through Ishmael would be like a wild man, like a donkey that would always be fighting against others. And I believe fighting against the plan of God. They were cast out. But God kept the free woman and the promise that was coming through Sarah, through Isaac, they were kept. Now, there is an analogy here versus the Jerusalem of the present day versus the Jerusalem which is above, the plan of God, the promises of God. For the bondwoman must be cast out. So those that have rejected the Messiah that are still holding on to the law, there must be the freedom to come to the Messiah and to see the promises of God fulfilled through the Messiah, not through the law. And and it seems such a harsh passage. It's it's almost like Paul is intentionally trying to say, it seems to me, there is no middle ground here. You need to completely cast out this mentality of slavery. Yes. And here contextually, the law, identity through the laws, seeing your salvation through the law, which was never complete in itself, if you do that, you're holding on to slavery. And there is not any middle ground. 
that's the problem with many groups that try to see this in a middle ground. No, my identity is in the Messiah. I receive the Spirit of God through faith in Yeshua, the Messiah, the Son of God, who laid down his life for me. My life belongs to God. It's not a license to live in sin. It's a license and a freedom to live for God from the inside out. And that's what we're going to look at in chapter 5. Now, this last verse, So then, brethren, we are not children of the slave woman, of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. So if you want to go back and see your identity through the law, that's a different gospel. If you want to understand your righteousness through the rabbinical law or the Mosaic law, you're in bondage today. But if you want to be released to the Messiah, who is the fulfillment of all the righteous requirements of the law, in fact, he's the end goal of the law, then there is freedom to live for God from the inside out. And now we're going to look into chapter 5. Have a great day today. I pray that this ministered to your life in a very, very special way. And do not be under bondage. Be under the freedom to live for God today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.